where does yesterday's future, which is already here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) I love that intro so much. Thank you, Ryan Treasure at World Talk Radio. He's my co-producer. Welcome, 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 welcome. Here's the buzz today of We Got a Show for You. Wait till you hear who my guests are. So let me give you a little background on our topic, and then I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. According to theceomagazine.com in an article titled The Rise of the Fempreneur. I'm going to spell that for you. F-E-M-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. It's, quote, it's fairly clear that women are starting businesses faster than ever. The ABS reported an increase in business ownership by females of more than 46% in the last 20 years. And the uh, author of the article, Melissa Brown, said, I believe female entrepreneurs need to accept an adapted version of Jim Collins' hedgehog concept when it comes to not simply starting a business, but starting the best version of a business they can possibly have. I have another statistic for you. According to Inc.com, the top 20 most influential millennial entrepreneurs all created an Internet-based service. 87% of millennials believe the success of a business should be measured by its impact on the world. That's quoted in Forbes, and I have one more quote for you. Millennial entrepreneurs are changing the way the companies function, and they're giving companies a chance to improve faster. So our topic today, going back to the first quote, is what do today's bold, savvy, high-energy, focus-driven, visionary Fempreneurs envision for the future of their companies, the future of their markets, their industries, and we all know industry lines are blurring as fast as I'm saying this, and for those who aspire to follow in their path. We're going to be speaking today with Tori Dunlap at her first 100K. Yay! Mackenzie Davies at Davies and Dixon, Lorena Seriano at Isoline Consulting, and Moji Egon at Blue Daisy Consulting. So welcome. We've got a great show for you. I am Bonnie D. Graham in the house, and we're going to start off by asking my four very special guests to introduce themselves. Tori Dunlop, I have to thank you for bringing me this wonderful panel. You really did a lot of work behind the scenes, and I appreciate you. So, Tori, please introduce yourself and tell us what you do and what is Her First 100K about. Go ahead, Tori. Of course. Bonnie, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited we're all here to talk about this amazing topic. So my name is Tori Dunlap. I run Her First 100K, which is a money and career platform for millennial women. I believe I was put on this earth to fight for women's financial rights. So I'm on track to have 100K saved, $100,000 saved at 25 years old. And my biggest passion is to make sure that women are financially educated, not only in order to get money, but to learn how to keep money and grow their money. So I'm so excited to talk about this topic today. It is so important, Tori. And and I've interviewed in my many, many years on radio, I've interviewed people who made the statements that financial financial literacy, I think it's called, isn't even really taught. It's not taught in the high schools. It's not taught in the colleges. But especially today, based on all of these statistics I read, especially about fempreneurs, 46% increase in female-started businesses in the past 20 years. I don't think that's enough, by the way. I think there needs to be a lot more. But financial literacy and financial opportunities are so important. So, Tori, very, very honored to have you here. And now let's move on to our second guest, Mackenzie Day. Davies, we'd love to have you introduce yourself. Mackenzie. Thanks, Bonnie. I'm also grateful to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. My name is Mackenzie Davies. I am the CEO and co-founder of Davies & Dixon. We are a digital communications firm located in Seattle, working with clients across the globe. We work specifically with female, um, well, femmepreneurs, so female entrepreneurs and technology companies targeting um, millennial women specifically. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask in a minute if you're all millennials because I know that there's a generation behind you in the demographic cohorts, and I know that millennials can now be in their, ooh, mid-30s, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Mackenzie, delighted to have you on. We're going to hear a lot more from you, and thank you, and now let's move one more seat around the table to Lorena Soriano. Lorena, please introduce yourself. 
Hi, good morning. My name is Lorena. I'm the founder of Isolane Consulting, where I work with science and tech organizations that have revenue but aren't yet profitable. And I'm also the co-founder of Global Girls Give, a nonprofit that connects girls and women from across the globe for mentorship. And a couple of years ago, I left a successful career in corporate America to go back to school and pursue my dream of studying biochemistry. So now that I'm a woman in STEM, I'm working every day to fuse the line that separates business and STEM. I'm impressed. And you noted your bio in front of me here, Lorraine. You say you're a STEMpreneur. That preneur suffix is, it wasn't intended as a suffix, I don't think, but it's being attached to a lot. So what do you call a STEMpreneur? How, how do you define that, Lorena? Definitely. So I came across the STEMpreneur um, name a couple of years ago. And since becoming a woman in STEM, I started noticing that a lot of my colleagues and women that I went to school with, they now are actually actively opening up businesses. So it's where we're, we're women in STEM, but we're also entrepreneurs. So we're the best of both worlds. We're now STEMpreneurs. I love it. Thank you very much. Uh, and STEMpreneur rhymes with fempreneur. So there you go. Yeah. We could do some poetry. <laughs> we need a rap around this, Lorena. We need to wrap it. Okay, we'll talk about it. We'll have to come up with a song later. And rounding out the panel is Moji Egun. She spells her last name I-G-U-N. Moji, please introduce yourself. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. My name is Moji, and I live in Seattle, and I'm the founder and CEO of Blue Daisy Consulting, which is a sustainability consulting company that gives small business owners the tools and resources that they need to reduce waste and implement sustainable business practices. So I do baseline assessments that involve auditing trash and figuring out ways to reduce waste that would otherwise go to the landfill. I am so impressed with the four of you. I'm almost in tears here. <laughs> just just so you know, I, I started out as a woman in tech back before probably any of you were born in the 1970s. And I had a degree in psychology that I didn't do anything in particular with. But I went back to school, and I think you'll all get a kick out of this. I got my graduate degree at a community college. I got two associate of science degrees, one in computer programming and one in operations. And I went to the college and I said, hey, I need something to do. I'm a young divorcee. I've got two kids. I have to earn a living. I've never had a job. I'm 27 years old. What am I going to do? And they said, and if you want in computers, enroll in the in the basic class on, on computer programming. They said, but we're going to warn you, it's completely filled. But if you come to class for the next two weeks, we guarantee by the end of two weeks, most of the people will drop out and we'll have a seat for you. So just be patient. And I did. And they did. And we were people who, men and women who had started careers in psychology, in architecture, in medicine, in law, and somehow gravitated toward programming. And we had a, a tremendously interesting class. We were all in our 20s and a lot of people were in their 30s. So I started out before there was something called STEM. I just thought you'd get a, a kick out of that. That's back in the days when we were key punching. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm just going to leave that alone because you're all probably saying, what is key punching, Bonnie? We don't have to go there. So let's go around the table. Uh, let me let me just ask a question before we get to the opening quotes. Tori, first, you're the one who put together this wonderful panel. I'm so impressed with you and your colleagues here on the panel. Tori, what do you think this energy is? I, I gave a quote that people, millennials, are looking to start businesses that have an impact. Does that... How do you define impact? Is it is it that quote unquote making the world a better place? Is there something that's very specific and focused that's working for you? And then I'll ask quickly Mackenzie and Lorena and Moji. How how, the, how is the impact that you've chosen? How's that working? Yeah, I'll talk to this a little bit later as well. But I really mm-hmm. believe that millennials take a service mindset to all of their businesses. So. Uh, a lot of millennials are seeking freedom. They're seeking a different path than corporate America, and they also are seeking new opportunities to really create mission-focused businesses where they can serve before they sell. So I think that's one of the reasons my business has, has taken off in the past year is because I spent two years growing my business before I sold anything. So I was growing a community of people who trusted me, who trusted my advice. I served before I sold. And so I think that's um, very indicative of, of the larger generation of millennials is that we're really looking for something different than corporate America, and we're really looking to have an impact not only in our communities but in the world at large. 
You said something so key, Tori, serve before you sold. I love that. We we have to we have to start a hashtag with that if it doesn't exist already. We'll do that after the show. Mackenzie Davies, you do you agree with this? I know this is a little out of order what we're gonna do on the show, but I really want to get to know the four of you better before we do your opening quote. So Mackenzie, serve before you sell, how does that apply to you or what is your interpretation of making an impact? Absolutely. Uh, I very much agree with Tori, uh, and we've actually done the same, had the same type of approach. Um, it's, it's been focused on quality work and quality relationships, and that being a service-based industry, that is very critical for our success and why we've been able to uh, enter our, our fifth year as a company and growing business, our business bottom line by 40% every year because the work we're putting out is quality and that not only fulfills my team, but it also fulfills my clients. And and both of those things working together equals success for us. And driving forward and be happy with how we are um, functioning as a team. Congratulations. What a great strategy. Lorena, how Thank about you. you? I absolutely love this question because I agree. Nowadays, whenever people are opening up businesses, we think about how can we truly change the world. And with Isoline Consulting, I first thought the way that I can change the world is by partnering and supporting those that are actually changing the world, whether it's sending women to Mars or curing cancer. That's how I thought I was truly having an impact. But then I thought, how can I go one layer deeper in this? And Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to be very selective with the type of clients that I have. And now I actually don't even touch a client, even if they are sending a woman to Mars, if they don't practice social impact in their organization or if they don't practice diversity, equity, or inclusion, if they don't have a give back promise or even something so simple as equal pay where you would think, yeah, of course, women and men should get paid the same, but we know the stats. So I feel that we can have an impact on the way that the world works by the type of clients that we decide to work with. I am absolutely amazed. I've heard of firing clients. I've heard of of consultants saying, no, I don't want to work with you anymore. Thank you very much. I've never heard of evaluating your clients based on their impact, their values, their culture. You express that so beautifully, Lorena. I'm I'm almost in tears speaking to the four of you. You're so impressive. You're so impressive. Seriously impressive. Moji, talk to me. The idea of service before selling, impact. Talk to me. What's your philosophy about that, please? Absolutely. I agree with the rest of the panel. We all want to do something more than just go home and go come to work and go home, come to work, go home. We want to make money, but and obviously that's still important, but there are so many important issues out there that we also want to solve with our work. So we're all looking to, to combine our work with what we're curious about. Thank you very much. I have to catch my breath here. I'm very impressed. Okay, now it's time for the quotes. If you're new to listening to Technology Revolution, the future of now, or any of my shows, you know that I, well, I'm telling you now, I asked my guests to send me a future-focused quote from culture, from movie, from a song, from a book, something that impresses them. And I'm going to read the quote for each of them and ask the ladies to explain why they picked the quote and how it relates to our topic. And our topic, by the way, is tech-fueled fempreneurs and the future of business. I think that encompasses it all. So Tori Dunlap has sent me a quote from Lizzo. I had to look her up, Tori. You have to forgive me. Her full name, (laughs) Melissa Vivianne Jefferson, born in 1988, known professionally as Lizzo, L-I-Z-Z-O, an American singer, rapper, and actress. She signed with Atlantic Records, and in 2014, she was named by Time as one of 14 music artists to watch. Here's the quote, and Tori's going to tell us how she picked this one. If I'm shining everybody going to shine. I love that. I want to embroider this on a pillow somewhere, Tori. Go ahead. Talk to me. How did you pick this quote? There are embroiders of this out there. Yeah. If um, I'm shining, everybody going to shine. Yeah. So everybody <laughs> else chose a really, a really uh, formal, uh, impactful, life-changing quote, and I chose one from Lizzo. Uh, for me, I love this quote because I think it really shows that once every woman, any woman achieves some sort of success, uh, I think millennial women especially are like, how can I pass this success on to every other woman that's going to come after me? So I think, uh, I think I love this quote because it's not just the success of one woman, it's the success of all women. So if I'm shining, I'm going to make sure everybody else is shining around me. I'm going to make sure that I am passing my opportunities on to every woman around me as well. 
Thank you. And I have to tell you that we just got a like on Twitter. I use Twitter from Paula Picard, who I believe is one of the the top visionary tech women on Twitter right now. And I've been trying to get her attention for months by adding her to a lot of my tweets. And she just liked the tweet. And the tweet is, wow, 11 a.m., tech-fueled fempreneurs and the future of business welcomes. And then I put your names and, and your handles on it. And she was one of the people. So we finally got Paula Picard's attention. Miranda Labate at SAP as well. Dr. Patty Fletcher, who who has written books about disruption in the boardroom, disruption with women, womenpreneurs. So uh, this is a powerful topic. Tori, thank you. Love the quote. I love the the way you said it. I didn't say it with enough gusto. Mackenzie Davies has sent us a quote from R.H. Sin. I had to look that one up. Ruben Holmes, known as R.H. Sin on Instagram, aims to write an eerily specific 7,222 words per day. The name Sin is his nod to the Mesopotamian god of the moon. He likes to write late at night. And here is the quote. Some women fear the fire. Some simply become it. Mackenzie, what a fabulous quote. Talk to me. How'd you find this one? Thank you. Um, well, I'm a fellow, I'm a Leo, right? And so I have to really embrace that lioness in me. And, uh, and anything related to <laughs> fire or, right, um, becoming that lion self who you are um, really speaks to me. So I'm a person who likes to write things down and keep it in front of me on a consistent basis. And this is one of those quotes that I... I have um, in my notes doc and right in front of me at my desk on my computer. I mean, I just need um, reminded. And I think many women do to feel empowered and really powerful to step into that power. Uh, I think it's time for women to actually own themselves and own who they are, what they want, what they dream of. And we're starting to see more of that. And for me, it's just a very nice reminder to become who I am um, no matter what confidence that may take or challenges that may uh, that I may face along the way, but knowing that if I can become the fire, then I'm truly setting, stepping into who I am and who I want to become. Wonderful. And I think quote. a lot of women Thank need that type of encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. I'm le- these are quotes I haven't heard before, and I've interviewed thousands and thousands of people on radio. So this is this is exciting. Let's move on to Lorena Soriano. Lorena has sent us a quote from Walt Disney. I don't think I need to say too much. 1901 to 1966, he was a film producer. He started uh, the animation studio with his brother Roy. He holds the record for the most Academy Awards earned by any individual. 22 Oscars from 59 nominations, and he started. Mickey Mouse and all the Disney property. So here's the quote. In this volatile business of ours, we can ill afford to rest on our laurels, even to pause in retrospect. Times and conditions change so rapidly that we must keep our aim constantly focused on the future. And that's probably decades ago. So Lorena, how does this apply today? Sounds very current to me. Definitely. So I'm a millennial, so I obviously had to choose a Disney quote. We all grew up with the Disney movies. <laughs> but this quote spoke so much to me just because our current times and conditions are now governed by technology. And technology is changing so quickly. So we must adapt and incorporate technology into all of the different industries around us and everything that we do. If we don't do that, these industries are going to become laggard and possibly extinct. We just constantly have to keep innovating and ideating. It's no longer about thinking, oh, what cool industries deserve technology? It needs to be incorporated into everything, something like restaurants, trucking, agriculture, auto, beauty, construction, fashion, and medicine, where I now actually make it a challenge that after I leave a movie or if I'm walking down the street, I'm constantly innovating and ideating. Okay, how can you incorporate technology to streamline this process or make it a little bit better? So I'm hoping anybody that's, um, the people that are listening to today, it's when you're walking down the street, it's thinking, how can we incorporate technology into everything that's around us? Wow, that's powerful. I wish you would stop impressing me so much, ladies. This is really overwhelming me. I'm sorry. This I, I, I don't know. I'll have to force myself to keep going. Mo- Moji has sent us a quote from Doc Brown, Back to the Future, the 1985 sci-fi film. He was played by the one and only Christopher Lloyd, actually, in all three parts of that franchise. And here's the quote. Listen up. Your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is what you make it, so make it a good one. 
Moji, great quote. How did you pick this one? Thanks. I love this quote. And I think it's actually from Back to the Future 3, so I had to check on that. But um, I love this because you asked to talk about the future today, and we're all in our respective spaces creating that very future. So we can't predict the future without creating it. We don't know what's going to happen in six months or a year, but we're all making something in our own industries to see what that future looks like. Thank you very much. It's perfect because that's what this show is about, Moji. The show, the title is Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. And my premise is that the future of now hasn't happened yet. When I say the word now, it's already gone. It's in the past. We are all making the future of now. It hasn't happened yet. So people say, oh, the future is here. No, it isn't. That was yesterday's future. We're looking at today's future. So thank you, Moji. Thank you all for the great quotes. I'm going to go around the table with just a little bit of up close and personal before we start looking at the wonderful predictions you've all sent. So let's start with Tori Dunlap. Two questions. Where are you today? Just a general hemisphere or a country or a region or a continent. We don't need your address. And We'd love to know, and don't think I'm crazy, but I do this on all my radio shows. What's your favorite drink that powers you or relaxes you or excites you? Could be anything, and I know it's 11.25 a.m. here on the East Coast and 8-something on the West Coast, but you know what? It's beer o'clock somewhere, so it could be an alcoholic beverage. Up to you. Tori Dunlap, where were you, and what's your favorite drink? Just fast. That's a great question. I am located in Seattle, Washington, and I love a good Sazerac. It has to be dry, not too sweet. And when I was in New Orleans last November, I went on a self-guided Sazerac tour, uh, which, yeah, that was that was an interesting night. <laughs> I bet. Wow. Okay, thank you very much. Mackenzie Davies, where are you and what do you love to drink? I am in Seattle, Washington, and I am a red wine through and through. So a nice Cabernet, I'm usually 2006 or older, or 2016, rather, or older. Okay, thank you very much. Lorena, where are you, and what's your favorite beverage? Yes, I am as well located in beautiful, gloomy Seattle today, and my favorite drink, let's see, since it's still morning time, I'm going to go with a plumosa. So rather than a regular mimosa, my mother-in-law coined the plumosa term, so you take plum juice that she makes herself (laughs) with champagne and Voila, Plumosa. Plumosa, I love it. We have Fempreneur, Stempreneur, and now we have Plumosa. I think we have a whole new vocabulary today. And Moji, where are you and what do you love to drink? I am also in Seattle, and my favorite drink would be a glass of kava, which I found out about kava through a podcast a few years ago, and that has been my drink of choice ever since. And what does it taste like? It's a sparkling wine that's made in Spain. So it's just like champagne or Prosecco, but it's just a little bit different. Okay. Well, I have to tell both, all of four of you that I have two live shows today, so I'm not allowed to go anywhere near caffeine or anything stronger than that on Wednesday. Same thing on Tuesday. So all I'm quote unquote allowed to drink is water. So I have a cool, clear mug of water here and I have switched to paper straws and silicone straws. I'm trying to get rid of the plastic straws, but frankly, I still like the good feel of a plastic straw. People are now telling me I should get metal straws or glass straws. I'm not sure I'm ready to go quite that far in terms of not making an impact, but I've saved one plastic straw. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. The sun just came out, probably because of the four very interesting, very savvy, and super, super smart ladies who are on my show today. And we are still edging up to the 90 to 100 degree range every day, and it's hot out there. So I'm just barricading myself in my air-conditioned radio studio for the day, and there you go. So now it's time in the show when we're going to talk about predictions. I've asked my four very special guests to look on, look in the future to see what the vision is they have about business, about fempreneurs, about technology, anything and everything goes. So let's start. I'm going to pick one from each of you, the first one, and then we'll go around. Just take a minute or so to tell me what this really means. So Tori Dunlap, you're first. You sent me the following number one prediction. Technology will put more emphasis on building products geared toward women. Tori. Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a theme that's going to uh, permeate through this entire panel. But $20 trillion in global spending is is the power that women have. So we spend $20 trillion, 
And frankly, companies can't ignore that any longer. Beyond, you know, the importance of diversity and bringing women into the conversation, just for the bottom line, businesses cannot ignore women any longer. So I think technology will continue to start innovating around solutions and products that are geared specifically towards women to solving women's problems as well as serving women. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Let's go to Mackenzie Davies, number one. Prediction. This was a long one. I appreciate that. I'm just going to read the headline, Mackenzie, and ask you to develop it for us. You say there will be a tighter grip on social media. What does that mean? Sure. So a lot of my predictions came from the industry that we're in, right? And, and we're serving a lot of um, female-focused companies. And today we're seeing, and we will continue to see, more rules and regulations and ideally best practices developed for influencer marketing, um, especially with coming from the FTC and down. Um, we're going to see potentially some caps to payments and allowances. And I also predict copyright restrictions will finally get tighter on social media. Um, for example, we're seeing a lot of people stealing content from others, um, whether it is across websites or social platforms. So I predict we're going to see some major changes here with FTC regulations as social businesses are on the rise with the access to technology um, today. Is this exciting? Do you think that the people coming up through the ranks, and I mentioned in my opening, predicting the path, people who aspire to be like the four of you, how they're going to follow in your path. Do you think this news is exciting to them that there will be more opportunities about this, Mackenzie? Absolutely. Um, It's going to force companies and people to be more creative, but it should also allow them um, opportunities to scale in good ways and not ways where we're having to growth hack all the time and um, can innovate within the boundaries of the rules that we have. I think it's going to be a little bit different um, as these, the tighter grip on social, it will allow a lot more creativity, stronger partnerships, um, which all will, it will serve before selling back to kind of rounding out our conversation from the beginning. um, It will allow that service before sale. And I think that's only going to add more quality to how we all show up online as consumers. Can you just explain to me, you mentioned a term growth hack. You said, so you don't have to growth hack. What is that? Um, so growth hack- hacking is a term uh, and concept where people and brands are trying to find ways to, um, it's kind of quali- or it's quantity over quality. Um, they are trying to find ways to scale and become viral as fast as possible. Um, and the, the problem with this is we're getting a lot of junk online. Right, And um, that junk doesn't necessarily serve anyone um, other than the company trying to gain more followers uh, and grow at this very heightened pace. And there are some tricks and some hacks to do that along the way that are not necessarily right, uh, and they don't necessarily follow all the rules, um, but it's just kind of a shortcut way to growing faster. Thank you very much. Hack is certainly a popular verb these days. Lorena Soriano, you sent me the following number one prediction on your list. Femtech tools for mothers and daughters. What are these, Lorena? What do you predict? Definitely. So I predict that femtech tools will actually help mothers be more prepared. Well, mothers and fathers as well, but be more prepared for the period slash sex ed conversation. And Mm. daughters will grow up using femtech tools from their very first period. We've all seen the movies and the TV shows about how awkward the first period or the sex ed conversation is for both parents and educators as well. So I predict that when mothers or parents have that first conversation, the Femtech app will be part of the process and it'll be some of the tools that are used to facilitate and guide the discussion. Um, Something interesting about Femtech, this term wasn't coined until 2016. So us growing up as millennials, our parents didn't have these type of tools or resources to educate us. So it was either the birds and the bees conversation or little mm. six-figure drawings. But now all of the apps that are out there, they will be able to be used to have those first-level conversations. And from there, it's not about pulling out your paper calendar and it's, okay, let's mark, when is our first period coming? When do we <laughs> guesstimate that the next period will be? We have the actual apps like Clue for period tracking or for the girls that then become women that they want to do pregnancy prevention. There's apps like that as well. And some even that will track the eggs all the way to the menopause process. So I predict that 
because of technology, we will be able to go ahead and have all of those tools for the period and the sex ed conversations going forward. I, this is so new, all of this. We didn't have any of that, I'll tell you. And those conversations were awkward. And which parent got to tell you? And which books did they give you? And how did you get that little gift package from your mother that was in the closet that was ready when you said, what just happened to me, mom? (laughs) Oh, my goodness, you're bringing back memories. Thank you very much. Moji, your first prediction is companies will focus on doing social and or environmental goals good. Is that meaning there'll be an increase in the companies that are focusing on that? Moji, what do you predict, please? Yes, absolutely. Um, And so being in the sustainability space, many people often think about recycling, composting, but there's so much more to sustainability than that. Um, If I refer to the sustainability development goals that were created by the United Nations, they include gender equality, good health and well-being, zero hunger, quality education. So there's so many more problems that are being solved with sustainable solutions, and consumers are starting to demand it more. So like you said, you're switching from plastic straws to non-plastic straws. Mm -hmm. People are starting there and going all the way to becoming B-Cores and are certified by third parties. So there's so many opportunities now, and people are starting to see the need to have social and environmental impact in their companies. Thank you very much. That was the first round of predictions from my guests. If you're just tuning in, by the way, this is Technology Revolution, the future of now. We are talking about the future of now with four fempreneurs. Those are females who are entrepreneurs, and they are making a difference. They're making an impact. They're savvy. They're smart. They're dedicated, focused, visionaries, committed, and the energy level is absolutely off the charts. I'm speaking today with Tori Dunlap at her first 100K, Mackenzie Davies at Davies and Dixon, Lorena Soriano at Isoline Consulting, and Moji Egan at Blue Daisy Consulting. There, now we're all caught up. Let's go to prediction number two. I'm scrolling down in my notes here. Here's what Tori told me for number two. She says, women will not achieve equality until they have financial equality. Ooh, Tori, how are we doing with that one? This is the hill I will die on. I completely (laughs) think that women will not receive any sort of equality, really anybody, anybody who is in maybe the LGBTQ community or a person of color, a person with a disability. We don't achieve equality until we have financial equality. So, We know about the pay gap. That's something that comes up pretty frequently. Women are getting paid 78 cents to a man's dollar. It's even worse, unfortunately, if you're a woman of color. Um, However, we're not talking about things like the wealth gap or the investing gap. So women, on average, either do not invest their money in the stock market, they don't invest, or they wait longer to invest. So women are expected to take less money. It grows at a slower rate. And then women, on average, live seven years longer than men do. So we take less money, it grows at a slower rate, and we're expected to live longer on that money. So there are so many, these, this, there's so many financial gaps beyond the pay gap that we really need to discuss. And I truly believe that money is power and, you know, for, for really great innovation, you know, when you have financial freedom, you can, you can start a business, you can quit an unhealthy job, you can leave a, an abusive relationship, you can retire early, you can donate to causes you believe in. You have so many more options. And so I truly believe that, that we, don't, we don't achieve equality as women or as any marginalized person until we have this financial equality. Thank you. That's a great something to aspire to, a great achievement that we're all hoping will happen, and there's so many people working toward that. Thank you, Tori. Mackenzie Davey sent me the following. This is interesting. She says, creativity is becoming more accessible to brands and influencers, and I'll let you explain the apps that you mentioned in your note, and you say more small businesses will be able to access their target audiences on lower budgets. Mackenzie, tell me about this visionary statement, please. Love it. You summed it up very well, Bonnie. Thank you. Um, I do believe in the marketing-specific sector, we're we're seeing technology advance um, with more tools and um, that will focus us on more creativity. So Canva is an app. Wave Video is an app. We're seeing Instagram coming out left and right with um, or third-party apps used for Instagram. Um, It will serve small businesses in a way that has just not really been accessible um, in the past. You've had to hire expensive teams. Um, to really scale and grow before or hire an in-house person who's only skilled at maybe one or two talents and not like five to six talents. So I think we're going to see a lot more creativity in the talent that people are hiring as well 
um, due to what people are being taught in school and due to the fact that everyone starting at the age of 15, give or take, um, is glued to their cell phone and they're trying to test new um, apps and new technologies for themselves. And that's actually scaling their ability to be more creative. They can write, they can design, they can strategize. Um, maybe they're doing some soft video. Um, so they're, we're seeing a lot more diverse talent coming up the pipeline within the marketing sector. And because of that, I think we'll see a lot more creativity in how we work with companies around the world. Thank you. That's such an exciting prediction. I appreciate that. The idea that there's so many tools, technology, as you said, is giving us so many opportunities. You can just dabble, right? You can spend your day just looking at apps, downloading things from the, from the app store and taking a look at them. I found something, I think it was, was it brushes? It's something else. Uh, it's a drawing app. And when I couldn't sleep, if I'm not playing words with friends, I got about 30 games going with different people around the world. I would just use my finger or one of those, uh, the digital pens on my iPad and create abstract drawings and then just save them and look at them later or use them as the the screen back screen on my on my you know the sleeping screen on my computer and just there's so much you can do that will bring out things you didn't even know you had i love the idea of the future of creativity thank you so much lorena soriano prediction number two you say more women in stem gotta hear this one talk to me Yes, this is one I'm very excited about, and obviously it's a prediction, so something in the future. So currently I'm working my butt off to make sure that I can make this one become a reality. What I mean by that is that the more women in STEM and in positions of power within business will cause a recursive domino effect, resulting in more female VCs and investments. This will generate more femtech cell products, which will expose more women to science and businesses geared towards women. Now, in order to get this going, I predict that the more women that enter and study STEM will result in more women understanding the technology just all around us. From there, as women, we've had, let's just say you finished studying technology. You're a woman of maybe about 22 years. So you have 22 years of understanding the issues that affect us and everything that we've been living with our entire lives. This will cause a fire within you that now that you understand the situation and you understand the technology, you will be able to come up with more solutions and you'll want to change the world. This, therefore, leads to more women entrepreneurs, therefore causing more femtech companies. And if we're having femtech companies, we're going to be having more successful exits, which will result in women wanting to give more and have more impact, which means that we'll be able to have more women in the VC roles which will then go ahead and result in more femtech companies and really just full circle because if we do all the way to the exit to the VCs, more products, more little girls will grow up seeing femtech products and saying, wow, I can actually be a part of this change and how can I have this impact? And it all starts with studying this step, whether it's the computer science or the biology side of it. So it truly is a full circle and everything that I'm doing right now is to have an effect in this. So I'm very, very excited for this prediction. So we'll have to check in about maybe 20, 30 years and see how everything played out for <laughs> You can. I don't know if I'll be around, but you can. Thank you very much. You give me something to live for. I appreciate that. Moji Egan, you know, we've your second prediction is about femtech. I think we've talked a lot about that. I'm going to move on to your third prediction because this is something I really would like to hear from you about. You say more female entrepreneurs will gain access to startup funding. This is such a hot topic, Moji, and we've all heard the quote-unquote horror stories of VCs and angels not wanting to invest in female entrepreneurs or, or all kinds of, I'll just you loosely use the word shenanigans going on in the background that were attached to the conditions of getting the funding. So do you predict it's going to get easier and better and a more pleasant process? Moji, what's your prediction, please? Yes, I can only be hopeful with this. So women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs, and right now their businesses are outperforming their male peers. So women have it going on. We know what we're doing. But how come less than 10% of women are being funded by startups and um, by VC funds? We have success stories like Glossier, Away, Rent the One Way that are showing that billion-dollar startups are possible. And we also are starting to have amazing VCs like Arlen Hamilton and Serena Williams getting into the um, DC game. So I can only see our opportunities starting to increase as we start to see these examples grow and grow. 
Thank you very much. I like that optimism, and that's what this is all about. Let's go for round three of the predictions. I'm scrolling back up to Tori's notes. Tori says, FinTech's focus will be on building non-judgmental money tools. I'm going to use a, uh, a reporter's word for that, Tori. Could you please unpack this for me? Go ahead. Yeah, so fintech, financial tech, uh, that's what I do in my nine-to-five. So I actually run marketing for a financial tech company. And as someone who's super seeped in millennials looking to learn more about money, the number one thing I hear from millennials is that they do not want to be judged for their choices. So these articles that come out all the time about how millennials can't afford houses because they're buying too much avocado toast or the reason (laughs) people can't retire is because they're buying coffee these are all shaming behaviors and shaming conversations in the personal finance space. And so what's going to happen in my prediction and, and what is already happening is that to be successful, especially in financial tech, you have to build tools and market these tools in a way that is non-judgmental and non-shaming. So giving, uh, giving millennials and giving future generations tools around how to manage money successfully without making them feel ashamed about their choices. So giving them the tools and the resources to be able to advocate for themselves and, and develop this really great financial education without making them feel terrible about their choices. So I think that's something that we're going to see and that we're already seeing in the financial tech space and largely in the, in the personal finance community. Thank you very much, Mackenzie Davies. I'm up to your prediction number three. You know what? I'm going to skip to number four because I, I want to cover this. You say data ownership will continue to be a huge topic for technology companies. And just so you know, Mackenzie, I one of my 15 radio series is The Future of Cars with Game Changers. I produce that for SAP. And we talk about as cars get to be tech hubs, there will be well, autonomous vehicles. You'll be sitting in the back doing something, but you will have all kinds of connectivity not just who owns the car, if it's connected, if it's done autonomously, if it's driven autonomously, but who owns all the data that you're generating in your car and other issues like that. So what do you see for this data ownership? Is it going to ever get resolved? Oh, that's that's something I wish I could actually predict. Um, but in the next 20 years, I will say no. Um, in the next 20 years, though, I think it will be a very hot topic um, for tech companies to figure out. I think a lot of people are stepping up to say, listen, challenging here. I do not appreciate that you're taking my data and using it out of turn. Um, and there's just so much, there are blurred lines um, within all the technology that we use and, and ownership. Um, I mean, we're wearing, we have phones in our hands all the time. We're wearing mm-hmm. Apple Watches. We're, we've yep. got Alexa, Google Home. We're, you know, we're on all these social apps. And who owns all of that information? And, and we as people should. Um, it's just a matter now of how can we get brands and companies to um, get on board with that and set boundaries um, for us all. So I think we're going to start to see an increase of people talking and, and rebelling against technology yes. because of this, like what's kind of starting with Facebook right now. And we're yes. going to watch technology companies try to handle this. And I'm sure it's going to be a roller coaster of um, in and out of courtrooms, if I were to predict I I would have to agree with you, and and so many people are just not aware. Every time you tweet, every time you hopefully not right. send an email, but anything you do on social, I know there was a big push year, a few years ago to tell kids who were trying to go to college stop putting your drunken pictures on Facebook because you never know when a sports team recruiter or when uh, an admissions guidance counselor from a college is going to Google you and see everything you've ever done and who are you, where do you hang out, what's your what are your what's your culture, who are are you? Do they want you in their school, on their team? And it doesn't go away. So that's a lesson hopefully people have learned and learned well. You never know, though. Let's see. I'm going to the next. Uh, let's see. We've got a prediction here from Lorena. Lorena, I'm going to go to your number four here. You say expanded femtech apps. So you already talked a little bit about that. Can you just expand that briefly for us? Definitely. Like I mentioned earlier, if we're ideating and just creating, thinking about how we can change the world with technology, Femtech apps really will be able to expand the area of influence to incorporate different things like sperm and egg donorship, storage, matching, or biological health. A funny story about this one, which is why I put it up there. Last October, I was out to dinner with my husband and 
he's he's in the STEM world as well. He's an aerospace engineer. So whenever we're out to dinner, we're always talking about how can we change the world? How can we make it a better place? <laughs> and I had just gone to a conference for Femtech. So I was thinking, okay, what are all the different ideas that we can do to make this world a better place? But we actually met on Match.com. So I was thinking about the different ways that we can incorporate that type of technology into the femtech space. So I said, well, can you imagine what if there was an app for the egg freezing process with your doctor where you can do the matching, do the education, the information storage, or an app for selecting your sperm donor. So in a way, think of match.com, but only for the swimmers. So I feel that with all the technology that's happening out there, Pretty much all of these different platforms that existed maybe 10 years ago, we're now going to incorporate it into the femtech space. So we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're just making it better for us as women. Very encouraging. Very, very encouraging. And that leads me to Moji's number four prediction. She says more products and educational resources will be created specifically for female entrepreneurs. Moji, give me some details here. This sounds interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the space is growing right now, but I can see in 10, 20 years this being just the new normal. So there are new technology companies such as Milk Stores that are creating breast milk shipping that didn't exist 10 years ago. And things that female entrepreneurs who are always on the go, traveling, trying to balance work and family, we need things like that. So I can see in 10 years this being just the new normal. Appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. What about educational resources? Anything, when you talk about female entrepreneurs, are, are, you know what, let me ask a question to the whole panel. Let, let's make this a lightning round. We have six minutes left, and I want to give a chance to get a short answer from each of you. We're talking about fempreneurs. We're talking about femtech. Everything with focusing on the gender identification, uh, I'm not going to get into that one, but the gender identity, I'm a female, I want to have a business. I'm a female, I want to change the world. Okay, well, will we get to a point, let's say between uh, 2025 is too soon, I'm going to ask you, by what year do you think we'll get to the point, let's go around the table, Tori Dunlap first, what year do you think we'll ever get to the point where we won't say female entrepreneurs, fempreneurs? Uh, female startups, funding for females, education for females, femtech maybe, but in terms of having to identify that you are a female who's trying to do a business, who's trying to change the world. Do you think we'll ever, ever get to the point where it'll just be entrepreneurs again and it won't matter what your gender is? Tori, is that ever going to happen in your lifetime? What, what's your prediction on that? Heck, I hope so. I, I am a big uh, proponent of not using the word unless I have to. So instead of the word girl boss, I really just try to say boss. Uh, I don't know exactly what year. I think there's already a huge pushback in the community. The the great thing about using these sort of, you know, the, the women-specific titles, the fempreneur, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the hashtag boss babe, all of these things, is, is it's not only showcasing... Yes, these, these women have, happen to be bosses or happen to be entrepreneurs, but it's also usually that these women are focusing on women as well. So it's not just the community, or excuse me, it's not just the individual, it's also the communities that they are fostering. Mm-hmm. So um, I would like to see us move away from these terms eventually and it just be synonymous where, yeah, if you're a boss or you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter your gender identity, but um, I don't know what year that's going to happen. I'd love to hear the rest of the panel uh, and their prediction. Thank you very much. Mackenzie Davies, you're up. Let's take about 60 seconds each answer because we're just about at the end of the show. Mackenzie, is it ever going to happen? I agree with everything Tori said. Just wanted to set that up because we are building communities with by um, gender identifying there. Um, do I agree with it? Mm, not fully. Do I think it will ever change? I hope so. Uh, my prediction is 15 years. Oh, okay. Well, that's optimistic. Thank you. Lorena Soriano, is it ever going to happen in your lifetime? Unfortunately, I'm not as optimistic. I don't think it'll change in this in my lifetime. Do I want it to change? Of course. But I think we need to ride that high right now where I'm a Latina woman. And in my community, it's still where, as a girl, you grow up and you're either the stay-at-home mom, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not mm-hmm. where there's there's space for you to dream for more. 
right now, if we're showcasing the boss babe or the girl boss, it can truly show that we can and she can be both. So I think we do, we do need to ride that high for the next 15, 20 years to go ahead and show the little girls that you can be a mom and you also can be a boss babe or a fempreneur or a stempreneur. Do I hope that it changes where you don't have to say, hi, I'm a female entrepreneur? Of course. But unfortunately, I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime. Okay, thank you very much, and you're going to have a long lifetime, so that's a long time. Moji Egan, what do you think? Will we ever get rid of fempreneur and just say preneur? What do you think? I really hope so. I hope it happens as soon as we're approaching 50-50 men and women being in the space, but right now that's not the reality. So the rooms are not equal, and as soon as that happens, then I think we can take away the fem or femininepreneur out out of the term. Very interesting. Ladies, I have to confess that I recently attached a, a, a femme type of a, a, an adjective to what I do. I became a drummer about 10 months ago. I decided that in my lifetime I wanted to be a drummer. So I call myself a chick drummer. And it's such a foreign term to me to attach chick to anything that I do. Nothing to do with age. I'm a baby boomer. But I do say I call myself the chick drummer in a dress because I'm one of the few who goes out there with Boots, red suede boots with heels and jewelry, big earrings with rhinestones on them and sometimes a bow in my hair and lipstick on and a dress and I go out there and I bang those drums. So I'm a chick drummer and I never thought in my lifetime I would use anything that was a label like that, but it just seems to fit because around here most of the guys are the drummers and they don't expect a girl in a dress to be playing the drums. So I'm just throwing that out. Tori Dunlap, I am forever in your debt for creating this panel. You did the work in the background. You brought me Mackenzie Davies. You brought me Lorena Soriano. You brought me Moji Egon. And you brought yourself. I am so grateful. Tori, do you think we should do a part two in January or February and you can invite three others to join you? Would you like to do that? Oh, I'd be honored. Thank you so much for having all of us. This was just a blast today. I'm delighted. I loved speaking with you, and I have to tell you that Dr. Patty Fletcher, I mentioned her, she writes, uh, has written about disruptors in the boardroom, females going up through the business ranks. She said, I lit up when I heard the Lizzo quote. That should be every leader's motto. So there, I posted the quotes <laughs> that most of you sent, and it's on Twitter. So I'm at Radio Red 77, and I want to say thank you to the four of you. It has been my extreme privilege and pleasure to meet the four of you. I'm impressed beyond belief. Just go out there and keep doing what you're doing. And I have to tell everybody that next week here on Tech Revolution, the future of now, we have another very special show talking about Tech Goes to College, opening doors to unique ability students. Some of them cannot walk. They cannot speak like the rest of us do. Unique ability is very comprehensive. We'll talk about the amazing technology that is allowing people who we never would have thought would have even sought a higher education to go there and do good for the world. So thank you again, Tori Dunlap, Mackenzie Davies, Lorena Soriano, Moji Egon. Thank you to my engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, the business channel. And thank you to my co-producer, Ryan Treasure, VP of Broadcast Operations at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off. It's been real. Go out and make the future happen right now. It's there for all of us. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.